Good morning, Real Life Church. Am I on? Have I done this all right? Can you hear me? Wave at me if you can hear me. Look, how's my hair? Is it? Because I had to put this headpiece on and my sprouts back on. So it was, oh, this piece of art is beautiful. Sorry. I'm just going to take a quick photo for, you know, the socials. Oh, it's lovely. Right, if we have not met yet, my name is Melanie. I think I've said that about three times this morning. You have one of those weekends where everything you need to get done all happens in one weekend. So I've worked out in the next few weeks, you'll, you'll barely see me. But this weekend, it's like, well, it's a little bit of an overload of Melanie. So I do apologize for that, really, um, sort of. So it's my absolute pleasure to kick off our Christmas series. I really liked sitting in the armchair, so I was a little bit tempted to preach from there, but I feel like I I like to get into it a bit. So I get to kick off our series, which is I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. So to limber us up and to make sure that I'm not the only one doing something this morning, I've got a few questions for you. And this is a stand-up, sit-down type of idea. If you um, don't want to stand up, sit down because it's too much for you this morning, just raise your hand or keep it down. So... This is a do you love or hate, all right? So, Brussels sprouts, if you love them, stand up. If you hate them, stay seated. Oh, interesting. Okay, you can all sit down again. Pigs in blankets, if you love them, stand up. Hate them, sit down. So, yeah, most of the vegetarians in the room are sitting down and and some others. Okay, like it, sit down. Uh, Turkey, love it or hate it? I don't mean after five days of eating it, I mean on day one. Love it or hate it? Love it? Okay, excellent, sit down. Uh, Stuffing. Oh, yeah. I'm giving you a good workout this morning. All right, sit down. Uh, Bread sauce. And apparently Phil's dad makes the best bread sauce. Bread sauce? Yeah. Okay, sit down. Love it. Christmas cake? Me too. I would just be up for all of it. Apart from I do not like the icing or the marzipan. Bah. Bah. I'll eat marzipan, but I don't like it on cake. Uh, Sit down. Christmas pudding? Should I just say, if you like food, stay standing. Sit down. Uh, brandy butter. Oh, love-hate relationship, brandy butter. Oh, not so many. Sit down. Uh, mold wine. Bring, give me all of the mold wine. Give me all of it, yeah. Mold wine. Uh, you can sit down. Stilton cheese or blue cheese. Give me all of the cheese. All of the cheese, all of the wine, please. Sit down. Oh, this one should be easy. Baked camembert. Oh, yummy, yummy. And then last one, with all your leftovers, bubble and squeak. Love bubble and squeak. Okay, that's lovely. Good. It would appear in real life church that we do love food, don't we? Yes. So if Christmas is all about Jesus and all about having a relationship 
with Jesus, then it can be Christmas every day. I get to kick off the series this morning. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, who is the word for every day. Next week at the carol service, Stuart is preaching. He's going to talk about Jesus, who is love every day. And then the final week, Phil is preaching. She's going to talk about Jesus, who's full of the spirit every day. So this series, hopefully what you will hear through the message every week is that Jesus is not just for Christmas. The message of him coming from heaven to earth is not just relevant at Christmas time or relevant on Christmas day or relevant because I might turn up to church. It's relevant to us every day. It is the very thing, to be honest, that saves us that actually God chose to come from heaven to earth in order to rescue a people that would not be right with God without him. So if Christmas had not happened, we would not be able to enter like we do into the very presence of our Father in heaven. We'd not be in right relationship with our God. So Christmas is so important to us as is Easter. So those two things, they, they, they mean for us that we get to be in right relationship with God, we get to be in a relationship with Jesus, and we get to come right in. Without those things, we would not. So we're going to read together John 1, 1 to 3 and verse 14. I've already teed it up because it's my devotional for this week. So um, we'll read it together. I'll, I'll help us. So in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. To be honest, you could live off of those verses for the rest of your lives. I think every day God will speak to you about something different through those. So I'm going to tell you two things this morning. I'm going to tell you that Jesus is the Word, and I'm going to tell you that um, Jesus, what is my second thing? Jesus uh, the, is the way that God communicates is through the Word. So I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you two things, okay? So Jesus is the Word is where we're going to begin. So Jesus, the Word, was with God and is God. So the name, literally, the word, or logos, literally means the way that God communicates himself or reveals himself to us. So the way in which God chose to reveal himself to us on the earth was through the person of Jesus Christ and through Scripture. Both are called the word. The way that God chooses to speak, the way that God chooses to reveal his heart, what he's like, is through the person of Jesus Christ. But what the Bible clearly communicates is Jesus Christ pre-existed before he put on flesh. So what the Bible communicates is that Jesus is fully God way before he enters earth as fully man. So he pre-exists. So he was the word in the beginning. So when the voice spoke and creation comes into being, the New Testament clearly says that all of creation came through him. So when God spoke and the word materialized what we see around us and us, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the pre-incarnate Jesus 
before he put on flesh, before he came to earth, which I realize is something we, we need to wrestle with and wrap our heads around. So the incarnation of God literally means that God himself came down to earth and he put on flesh. He literally got dressed in flesh. Incarnation literally means God in flesh. So he came fully God, put on flesh so that he could communicate something to us, so that he could show us how to live, so that he could communicate and we would know exactly what it's like to be fully human. We'd know exactly what it's like. We'd know how to relate to God and get close to God. So this is the way that God himself chooses to speak. This is the way that God himself chooses to communicate. This is the way we are supposed to hear what God is like. We're supposed to read the Gospels and find revealed to us the very heart of God and exactly what he is like. We are also supposed to find ourselves in that. We're supposed to think, well, if God putting on flesh looks like that, then that's what I'm supposed to look like too. He's our example. He's our model. We say that every week, don't we? We're following the model of Jesus. It means that when creation came into being, Jesus was there. It means that when God spoke to Abraham and Sarah, Jesus was there. It means that when Moses parted the Red Sea, Jesus was there. It means that when Isaiah saw that incredible vision of the Lord, Jesus was there. It means that when he turned up at the stable and the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, the wise men all went, oh my gosh, it's God. And so not many people bow down and worship a baby. Not many people get down low. Not many people bring gifts that are fit for a king, a priest. Not many people do that because actually what they recognized was the saviour, was the Messiah had come in flesh, had come from heaven to earth. And we're supposed to feel that, know that in our hearts at Christmas, but every day. We're supposed to understand that when we, when we read the Gospels, the very John's Gospel, it says in it, the whole of John's Gospel is written so that we might believe in Jesus, who is God speaking to us, and that we might find him to be true and all that he says is true. So when we read the Gospels, we are supposed to be looking at God, realizing that what he says is true, and then believing that. We're supposed to get into what God is like. We're supposed to listen to his voice. So if you are someone who you're thinking, well, I never read my Bible. Well, you are going to struggle to understand the word that is God who is revealing himself to you in the person of Jesus Christ and what is written down in the Bible. If you struggle to read, just listen to it. So if you find reading a battle, we have great technology now. It means that you can listen to the Bible online, on your phone, anywhere you go. We are so richly blessed with God's Word. We don't have a scrap of paper that's been passed around. and We're not a culture where we have to memorize it because if anyone caught us with the book, we'd be imprisoned or worse. We're a culture that has... Ten Bibles sitting in every house. We have it on our phone. We have it on the internet. We, we basically have so much access to the word so that we can see God. When you read your Bible, what you are supposed to encounter, what you are supposed to see is God revealing himself, God communicating. It's why every time you read your Bible, something should jump out. 
because it's God's very words, God's very heart being communicated so that you might see Jesus, who is the word, so that you might connect with God who has put on flesh and made himself human. At church at prayer this week, um, I've had it all week actually, I've had this kind of real sense of God calling time on things, just saying it's time now. And, I, and at various points I just hear the ticking of a watch, I just keep thinking, where's that ticking coming from? Or I can see in my mind's eye just an old-fashioned watch with the hands going round, and I keep feeling God just tapping on it, calling time on things. And some of the things I believe he's calling time on are that we would reorientate or orientate ourselves so that we are looking at Jesus and properly looking at him and getting our lives so that they're in line with him. To orientate yourselves means that you kind of turn and you position yourselves in front of something or someone And I felt like God has said it's time now for people to orientate themselves, to turn, to fix their eyes on Jesus. And I feel like lockdown has been and happened, and I know that there will be trauma left over, but my goodness, we've got to call time on it. We've got to say, actually, it's a new day now. We need to be able to move on and focus on what God has got for us next need to be able to pause and grieve stuff, and then we need to be able to move forward. And I felt like God was calling time on that. He's saying, you're not in lockdown anymore. Stop behaving like you are. So some of the excuses, some of the habits that we built up, some of the things that happened have changed our behavior, made us act a different way. I think it's time now. It's time now to say, come on. This is all about Jesus This is all about making his name known. If you still draw breath, it's because God has simply not saved all the people he wants to save. It's not because he wants to leave you on earth as long as he possibly can. It's because he's waiting for men and women to give their lives to Jesus so that when he wraps the whole things up, there's a great multitude. He's waiting And he's so patient and so kind that he will wait a long time in order for men and women to bow the knee and give their lives to Jesus. So what we're supposed to do on the earth is behave like we live in heaven, which means we worship, we pray, we read his word, but we also try and help gather people up, gather them in. And we say, listen to this word So you hear this truth, but this is so much better. You can only do that if you are someone who reads your word, if you are someone who is impacted by the word, and if you are someone who has got hold of the word and it affects your life. You can only pass on that which you already have. If you do not have it, you cannot give it away. So we need to be people now that it's time that we move on and we say, it's time now, God. It's time to get serious about his word, get serious about what he says, to do the things he's asked and to see the harvest reaped in. And I I know that when I look around now, I just think it's time. Ruth read this out at Church of Prayer. If you don't go to Church of Prayer, my goodness, you should. The prophetic happens there. The presence of God is going on there. When a people gather to pray, God himself turns up. Why our numbers are so small, I do not understand. 
I think that when we pray, the very presence of God connects with our hearts, we connect with his hearts, and we get to move things forward. So Ruth read this out in Church of Prayer. It's, it's just the words from a song. I say just the words from a song. It's a beautiful song. It says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. When God himself reveals himself to his people, what we need to do is look at his revelation. We need to look at how he has chosen to say, I exist and I'm real and I'm coming for you. We need to look at his beautiful face. We need to marvel at it and then it needs to affect our steps. We don't need to be those who are running around being evangelists or I'm doing evangelism. We need to be those who have captured Jesus in our gaze, who've got a hold of him and then our feet just can't help but move. I talked about, about Jesus all the time because he has so captivated my heart. Because I'm in his word every day. I don't go a day without being in his word. I just won't. Because I won't go a day where I don't brush my teeth because it's just gross. I don't go a day where I don't use the toilet, get dressed, you know, because it's gross. To look upon the Savior every day, to read his word, that's as important to me as my hygiene. And eat. I don't, well, I do fast, but I don't go a day normally where I don't eat. I won't go a day without feasting on my Saviour because I don't have anything else to give away if I don't do that. Feast your eyes upon Jesus. Look at his beautiful face. And then what you find is your feet move differently. When we believe, it affects our behaviour, which in turn affects our feelings. When we believe something, it, it changes things. When we fixate on the truth, it changes how we walk. It changes how we act. So Jesus is the word who's became human. He's revealed himself to us in that way. So we need to look at Jesus. That's why we bang on about Jesus. Some people are like, well, what about the Holy Spirit? What about the Father? Of course we love the Father. Of course we love the Holy Spirit here. But the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to planet Earth is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's the way that he says, look, I exist. So what we do is we look. What we do is we tell people about him and we point to him. We say, he's real. He exists. Look at God in flesh. Let me show you what he's like. Let me tell you by the way that I live. And then next, Jesus, the word became human and he made his home among us. He's a home that is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's what God contains within himself. Unfailing love and faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I need to access that every day. I need unfailing love and I need faithfulness. And sometimes that's not what I've got. I don't know what you're like. My love runs out sometimes and we get grotty now. If you live in my house, you know about her. She's not nice sometimes. If I run out of stuff, if I, which we do as humans, what I need to do is find a home or a place 
that has unfailing love and faithfulness, what I do is I find that in the person of Jesus Christ. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. God himself is full of unfailing love and, faith, um, and faithfulness. You might have an image of God that's more like an angry parent or a headmaster. The Bible does not reveal that in the person of Jesus Christ. What it reveals is unfailing love and faithfulness. So unfailing love means it just goes on and on and on. He's a house where that is contained. He's fully human. So God, uh, it's incredible to me, God got tired God got hungry, God needed to sleep, God got mad, turned tables over, got frustrated with his disciples, displayed so many human emotions, so knows what it's like to be fully human, and yet contained within that house is unfailing love, which means a love that never ends and knows no limits, and faithfulness, which means what he says he will do, he will do. He's faithful to his word in the way that he's revealed himself. So it doesn't mean that if you carry a promise that God is going to make all your dreams come true, that if he doesn't do that, well, obviously he's failed. It means that everything that he has revealed through the Son is yes and amen. Everything that he has spoken in his word is yes and amen. If you can find it in the Bible, it's yours. And you can share that on the earth. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness, yet knows exactly what it's like to be fully human. Therefore, because he is home, we are also at home when we find ourselves in him. So when you come to know Jesus, what you step into is a house that is fully human. He knows exactly what it's like to be you and do it well but is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. So if you think, I need to access love, I need faithfulness in my life, I need to express that, what you do is you go to him. What you do is you fix your eyes on him and you gather into his house with his people and you strengthen your very innermost being. See, Jesus is the word that is revealed to us in flesh, so we can see him, but we can also access in his house all his stuff. So he managed to be mad and yet not sin, which means we can do that. He managed to be frustrated with his disciples. Do you lead anyone? Do they ever frustrate you? My life. Well, then you are in good company. It means you can do that and do that well. Do you ever get tired and need sleep? This season especially, You can do that and do that well. You can take a leaf out of Jesus' book and nip off to a quiet place and be with your Father in heaven. Actually go to bed and get some sleep. I, I need to do that. It means that you can access God being fully human and learn to be like him too. So he got tired, he got hungry, got frustrated, got mad. It means all those things I can also be and do, but do it well. And also, while I'm in there, I can access unfailing love and faithfulness. So that when I run out, so that when I'm thinking, I don't know who I am or what I'm doing, I can access that. What we find in the Son is someone who is fully human and fully God. And so we get to access both get to say, I I want to draw on that. I want to have some of that. I need some of that. When I'm frustrated with the people I lead, 
I need to access what it's like for him to be frustrated and to do it well, but also to draw on his unfailing love and faithfulness and then to lead people better out of that. So to express frustration, but then to carry on. He is home for us. And for some of us in this last season, we've made other places our home or our comfort. And we need to reorientate ourselves. We need to turn from the things that have distracted or taken God's place. And we need to simply come home. And for some of you this morning, you just need to make that choice. To be like, actually, I've been very at home in this place over here. But actually, I know my home is there. I know my home is him. I know that what I need to do is come home. I know that I need to step into his place. See, Jesus knew where he'd come from and who he was and what he was to do. And that's what we should find and wrestle for when we come to know Jesus. That we understand that, that he's the son and when we're drafted into his family, we're sons and daughters because we come into his house. We need to understand when, when he says that he's seated in heaven and, and that he's got access to all these heavenly places, well, so have I, because I'm, I'm in that house too. need to understand these things about ourselves. I would suggest we need to look at who Jesus is, make sure we're clear on who he is, and then make sure we tuck in under that. Make sure that we say, well, actually, because he's the son, so am I. Because he is so loved. Because he's, he's the father's absolute pride and joy, well, so am I. Because when I'm in him, because when I'm at home, that's, that's exactly who I am. I would say that if you're struggling here this morning with, with not feeling at home, with thinking, I, I just don't know my place, I just don't, you need to just simply reorientate yourself Fix your eyes on Jesus. Talk to him. Get some time with him. Ask people to pray with you. You need to simply turn and turn towards him. I would say that if you feel like, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Look at Jesus. No Christian should be confused about what they are supposed to do on the earth. Jesus made it very obvious. He literally put on flesh and he came and walked among us. What did he do with himself when he was walking among us? Well, he gathered a people. Then then we must do that. We must gather a people. He taught and trained. Well, Well, we must do that. He fed the poor. Okay, then we must do that. He built community. Okay, we'll do that. He took time out to love his Father in heaven. Okay, we must do that. He prayed for the sick and saw them healed. Okay, let's do that then. He preached the word and he saw people hand their lives back to Jesus. He cast out demons. No Christian should be asking the question, what am I to do? There is literally a man who put on flesh and said, Be like me. So if you're sitting there thinking, I'm so confused with what I'm to do, can I suggest you first start gathering with God's people? You look at how to train and teach the people who are around you. You feed the poor. You preach the gospel. You pray for the sick. You release demons. You raise the dead. And when you have done that, come back and say, finished, is there anything else I can do? 
Does that sound all right? So no Christian should ever be confused with what you are supposed to spend your time doing. What you will need to do is have a job so you can pay for all the other stuff. And you will need to, you know, go to school and have an education. But in all of those things, we are to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. We are to pretend like earth is a trailer for the movie that is heaven. We are to build something here so that people get a glimpse of what it's like to come. No Christian should be confused about what you are supposed to do. If you want to know who you are, look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on him, work out who he is, and then tuck yourself in. So if he is loved, so are you. If he is chosen, so are you. If he is known, so are you. If he is adored and cherished, if he is the apple of his father's eye, then so are you. If he is the delight of heaven, the one that everybody is watching and waiting on, then so are you. It's what the great crowd of witnesses are watching for, the church. They're going, what will they be like? What will they do? How will they show Jesus? Less interested with the car you drive, the house you live in, the job you do. More interested in what you're like in those places. So if you drive a big fancy car, got a big fancy house, lovely. What are you like in that place? If you have no car and a very simple home, what are you like there? If you do a job with huge influence or behind the scenes or manual labor, what are you like there? That is what concerns God. Are you like his son wherever you are? Would people say that of you? In your flesh, in your being, are you frustrated like him? Do you get mad like him? Do you rest like him? Do you go to the Father like him? Do you love like him, teach like him? Would your community know that God has so impacted your life that it affects everything I touch, everything I do? We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus because so quickly we are distracted by the things of this world. So quickly we are screamed at by it should look like this, should look like that, should look like the other. We will always be dissatisfied if we look anywhere other than him. If you make social media your place where you look, you will have a miserable life. If you make Jesus Christ the place you look, you will find yourself home, which is so different. Home is a place where you can breathe. Home is a place where you can be. Home is a place where you can function. It looks so different when we fix our eyes upon Jesus. So I'm going to suggest this. This Christmas time and every day, I want to suggest a few things. Turn your eyes upon Jesus every day. Just work out a way to do it. I sat in that beautiful armchair. Quite frankly, I want to take that whole thing home with me. I don't know about you. I want to put that somewhere and just sit there and read my Bible. Find a place to read the devotional every day. It doesn't really matter where it is, but it'll be the place where you think, I'm home. So you sit there or you walk there or you're there and you just think, I'm home. Wherever it is find it. Try the devotional every day. It will take you 10 minutes a day to fix your eyes upon Jesus, to look into his beautiful face, 
to listen to the word that became flesh and made his home among us. Try and help each other in this. In life groups, if you're not asking each other how you're doing with Jesus, you should be. You should be asking each other what you're hearing in the word and what's going Even if it makes the whole room feel a bit uncomfortable, because actually I might not have read my Bible today, a little bit uncomfortable. What it sometimes makes you do when you're about to go to group is just get your Bible out, let's be honest, and just read it really quickly. So you've got something to say when someone says, how's your Bible reading going? And you can say, well, I've just read the real life devotional on the car on the way here. And um, I feel like God's spoken to me. Help each other in this. We're not lone rangers. We are a community. We are a team. We are a family. Help each other in this. Orientate or reorientate yourself. To do that, it means that I'm walking this way and I have to turn and walk the other way. To orientate yourself or to reorientate means you have to stop going that way and start going this way. And it might mean that you need to become a Christian because basically you're walking this way. And what you need to be doing is looking at his beautiful face and shaping your whole life around him. So you might need to become a Christian. We can help you do that. You might be a Christian who's been doing quite a few things in your own strength and in your own way. To reorientate yourself literally means that you turn and go, all right, Jesus, let's do this. Christmas is a great time to just think, well, it's all about the baby in the manger. Let's spend a little bit of time bowing down, worshipping him, and let's go again. It's an opportunity, I think, just to do that. It might mean that you still haven't come out of lockdown. And I've been chatting to some people where I literally, that's what I hear. I hear them still talking about lockdown like it was yesterday. And for some of you, you need to make the decision now. I think God's calling time. And it doesn't mean that your feelings don't matter. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You can still grieve as you walk. What it means is you literally say, okay, I'm coming out now. I'm not, no longer going to behave like I'm still in that place. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to get myself around God's people. I'm going to get myself into his presence. I'm going to start behaving like I belong to something that matters on the earth. I'm no longer locked away, shut away. I no longer have to hibernate or hide. I need to be a part of something. And some of you have made choices that mean you're doing things separate that God just wants to pull in. And it will be simple things that you think, I have retreated, I have pulled back, I have held my heart back, I have held some of my behavior back. And these are choices that we make because God is home for us and his people are his home for us on the earth. So we simply say, I'm coming home. And you might need to repent and sort that out with God. That's easy to do in this place, as long as you don't stand on the Christmas tree. You can come forward around the tree, and you can just get on your knees or cry out to God and say, I just want to come home. I just want to be okay. I just want to breathe. He's good at home. Try, try this. So I, I tend to, to sort out my identity, to get straight about it, I tend to write a list of all the things that Jesus is. So just go through the Gospels or go through the New Testament or there's plenty of lists. Freedom in Christ produced lists of who Jesus is. I always like to start there, not who I am, because quite frankly, most of life pretends that it's all about me when it so isn't. So I like to start with who is he? So he's the son 
He's the word. He's the lamb. He's the lion. He's, and I tend to like to gather a whole bunch of verses that talk about what he's like and who he is. And then I like to work out which are the ones that I can just tuck in on. So, so am I a daughter? Am I chosen? Am I a delight? Am, which are the ones that I can just tuck in on? And then I look out, well, who am I then? Who am I in the sun? And I come in that way. I would totally recommend doing a list like that, that you carry around or you have places that you just remember who he is and who I am because I'm caught up in him. And then lastly, we need to get wise. We need to open our eyes. What did Satan go after in the garden? What he went after, he didn't go after Adam, he didn't go after Eve. He went after God's word. He went after, did the word, did Logos really say? Did he really say that? What did he go after with Jesus in the temptation? Did God really say? He goes after the word. He goes after truth. He goes after Jesus. He undermines what God has said is true so that God's people will doubt God and do something else. We need to become very wise. Christians who do not read their Bibles, quite frankly, are silly. Silly, silly. Because what you do is you do not arm yourself and Satan will take you out, not because he wants to harm you, but because he hates Jesus because he hates the word, because he hates that what it leads to is our praise and worship of him. We need to become very wise at Christmas and beyond. We need to become wise that when we hear in my head, you are not loved, we need to become very quick at going, that is not what Logos has revealed to me. He has revealed to me that I am so loved. You don't matter. Oh my goodness, that is not what has been revealed to me in the sun, on the cross. I matter enough that God himself would send his beloved son We need to get back into the word and get back into hearing it. We need to remember that God himself clothed himself in flesh so that he could come and speak to us. And we need to be those who are listening to his voice and his alone. And what Satan will go after in our lives is his voice and his word. You will be too busy. It will be too hard You are never too busy to take 10 minutes out to read God's word. I showed you this morning, that's all it takes. You are never too busy for that. If you don't love to read, you can listen to it. It's brilliant. Hearing the word, allowing it to affect our hearts. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to worship. I'm going to ask you to stand What I'd love you to do today is fix your eyes upon Jesus. Look at his beautiful face. I love you to be men and women that get into the word, that orientate yourselves or reorientate yourselves around the person of Jesus Christ, that look at him as your model and example of how to live and order your steps accordingly. We need to come out of lockdown and we need to come 
into what God's got for us next. We will do that by fixing our eyes upon Jesus, looking at his beautiful face. We will do that by being men and women that hold on to his word above everything else so that when Satan brings lies, we go, no, get out. And we're quick with it. And we train our people to do likewise. If you are struggling to know where you fit and what you do, look at the Gospels. See what Jesus does. Do that. And when you've completed that to-do list, come and ask us what more you could do. Does that sound good, Real Life Church? Let's worship him.